Hi, welcome to Set Free Speech, where Bible-believing individuals can come together to discuss challenging subjects. I'm your host, Anthony Hinojosa, and I'm excited to welcome my Think Partner for this episode. She has started her own homeless ministry back in, what is it, Myrtle Beach? Yes. Myrtle Beach, and also she's this one of the biggest Jesus freaks that I know, and she's also a good friend. Marisa, I forgot your last name because your name is Marisa <laughs> Turd Nugget in my phone. <laughs> I love that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no, that cannot be my new name. Marisa Jordan Taylor. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for jumping on the podcast with me. I think I'd asked you probably like a month ago to jump on. <laughs> and one of the reasons why is because I respect you highly when it comes to your Bible knowledge. You're actually one of the better Bible teachers that I've met. Um, you know your scripture very well. And that's come as a sacrifice of actually studying it, <laughs> which most <laughs> people do not. And uh, and you've allowed me to be able to... Um, uh, be a friend to be able to tell you hard truths as you've told me hard truths for myself and uh, allowed a um, a growing experience if you would so I appreciate you very much for being on this episode with me thank you for having me um, when I had asked you what do you want to talk about uh, we went through a couple subjects and the reason why is because <laughs> you're an avid bible reader and a very heavy studier and there's a lot of things that you understand that I don't think that I do and I think because of that um, I'm just like, I don't want to talk about stuff I don't know about. And uh, there's also other things where I do feel very strongly about that we would argue about straight up. But, <laughs> that's I, think that's, but I think it's good because I think yeah. every time that you and I have come to a, a, a conversation of sorts, somebody walks away with it at least or both maybe uh, thinking. Yeah. At least thinking. And I think it's valuable. Yeah. I think that I love talking to you because mm-hmm. you're such a good communicator and a mm-hmm. great listener. And it, you're my favorite person to even have a challenging conversation with and Thank so you. yeah I, I love, appreciate that and so when I asked you let's talk about something we went through a couple subjects but we finally landed on one I think that we agreed yeah. that we probably wouldn't argue about as much <laughs> I think we, <laughs> and I, we'll, so we'll see <laughs> I think we we on a lot of subjects we come to the same realization yeah. and then we kind of go into a different level of like resolution of that issue like we yeah, have the right. same common issues but different ways to resolve it and that's where the conflict comes in well even then i think a lot of the times even the solution is just about the same which is always being able to like accept people and make sure that god is very much the center of what that that looks like yeah and so like the the issues and also the solutions are the same as how we get to both of those places happen to be a little bit different (laughs) which um which honestly is kind of the point of this podcast the point of this podcast is to show that there are so many different people inside of the um, the body of Christ mm-hmm. and to be able to understand that people think differently about a few different things but the center of it is ridiculously important and that's why we can see people that um, that show the love of God so quote unquote easily at different stages in their life and how they understand God and it's just this constantly moving changing thing and that's why I want more than anything is people to listen to this podcast and realize that person thinks a little differently than me but man you can tell that they believe in the same like yeah. core thing that I do yeah. and I think that's important but it's not important what I hmm. think who about how who I think that you are. <laughs> but what's important is what I think interesting is um, who you think that you are. So Marisa, take about two minutes and tell the audience who you think that you are. Who do I think I am? Yeah. Uh, that's it. I wish I would have thought about this at you any point you... in my life, but I have never <laughs> thought about that. Um, honestly, I just. I know that in my life, I just believe God. I mm. believe God and I believe his word. I believe his promises. And and I, I don't understand. I know I 
I do have a good understanding of the word and a lot of Bible knowledge, Mm -hmm. but I know that I know that I don't fully know everything yet. And I, and I want to be that person that consistently seeks to find God and, um, and that eventually will be that person that I envision Mm -hmm. myself being at some later date, because it's not, not that I'm not happy with who I am now. It's just that I know I'm still growing. Yeah. I'm still learning. I'm, I don't have all the answers. I know people think I do. I don't. Um, <laughs> I know sometimes I think I do and I know I don't, but I am a student and I want to keep growing and learning more about God and following his path for me and trusting him in that process. And that's all I know about myself for sure. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I said this to uh, Migs when I had him on. So I like asking this question because it changes mm-hmm. who you think you are, mm-hmm. you know, after a while it changes, like depending on your, your experiences and what you're going through, mm-hmm. what you've learned, what you're struggling with, all those different things kind of really shape us as to yeah. who we are and the way, how I think about myself, it changes over time. Yeah. If you were asking me that same question five years ago, it would have been different. Yeah. And so knowing that is cool. In my ignorance, I had a firm grasp of how wonderful I was. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, later yeah. as you grow, you're just like, yeah, I'm not as special as I thought, or, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. For sure. Yeah. Well, part of this getting the audience get to know who you are, um, is uh, a segment that I have here, which is called the 10 hardest questions ever. And these are very difficult questions and you're going to, uh, yeah, you're just going to break your brain for <laughs> sure. So let's jump into it so the audience can understand who they're listening to. Question number one. What was the last great movie that you watched? Great movie? Yeah. Mm. Actually, um, I watched the new Elvis movie the other oh, yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I don't even know. It was told from the perspective of the manager. Mm-hmm. And it was actually just really well made. And the guy that played Elvis did a really great job. That's the cool. Napoleon Dynamite guy. And I was surprised because... That wasn't him. It, was it not no, him? No, I wanted to correct you last time you said that to me. And I was no, just like, nah, I'm just going to let her go. I'm just going <laughs> to let her go. Till now. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the podcast to correct you. <laughs> I swear. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. Oh, <laughs> it's somebody else. I'm deceived. It's okay. Okay. But it was, it, it was, I heard it was, I heard it was good. Yeah. yeah, it was a great movie. I heard it was good. I heard that people had issue with... Um, not using enough music from the era that they used a bunch of like random like songs from like different time periods and stuff like that. But, um, but all in all people have constantly tell me it's cool. I mean, it was all Elvis songs. No, I'm talking talking about like background music and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I've heard people say that's actually cool. I'm not as critical, movie critic. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's okay. It's not, not everybody can be great. I watch for entertainment purposes. All right. Question number two, if you had an extra hundred thousand dollars, how would you spend it? I gave it to you. I was like, you know what? I don't need this. This is uh, chump oh, change. Here you go, Marisa. What are you going to do with it? I wouldn't. You wouldn't what? I wouldn't spend it. Is, okay. Just, what would you do with it then? Just live off of it. I mean, I don't know. Just okay. put it in the bank and pay my bills and live continuously. Sweet. Just yeah, use just, it somehow. Yeah, just like use it. My, it's not a lot of money. I figure that's like a mm, couple years worth of yeah, right. wages. You know? Yeah, right. Just, it'll take some, yeah. Cool. Anyway, I'm, I'm frugal. So. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, we'll talk about it in the podcast, but just in case uh, it wasn't clear by the title of the podcast, we're going to talk about money today. <laughs> so so there, there's this person that's going to give you some money advice as the one who's not going to spend it. <laughs> um, next question. What is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Ooh. I know it's a big question. I don't expect, expect you to go through your whole entire no. life journey. No, I, I don't. Um, I don't look at my life and failures mm. or mistakes or regrets anymore. I hate regret. I hate mistakes and I hate failures. But yeah. what I've come to know for sure is that 
as long as you give it to God and give it give everything to him he can turn anything around for his good so I don't live in that place of like I would have could have should have wished I had because I see that even my biggest mess ups Mm -hmm. my biggest oh my gosh I wish I could take that back or whatever every single one of those he's turned around for for Mm -hmm. my good his glory and it's turned into a testimony so it's hard for me because I always say whatever road that I went down that led me to Jesus was never the wrong road Mm -hmm. it was never the wrong choice right um if it brought me to where i am right now mm-hmm. i'm okay with that right and so there's that consolation so i don't live in that place of like oh i wish i wouldn't have or man had i not done you know i just can't i can't live there yeah yeah that's cool no thank you for that that's a good answer actually um all right well all right. moving on from that question is who are the three people who have been the most influential to you Three. Three. Most okay. influential people. For sure, number one, my grandmother. Okay, good. She uh, she passed away when I was 16, mm-hmm. but she was, I always say she's the love of my life, and mm-hmm. she was four foot eight, I think, tiny little, <laughs> tiny little woman. Tiny grandma. Um, Size two shoes, but she, she was actually an alcoholic and partied a lot, and the night I was born, she went out in the hall, made a vow to God. I was born two months early, so I was going to die. She made a vow, God, if you let her live. I'll never touch alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'll give my life to you. And she never touched another drug and she gave her life to Jesus. And I feel like because of that vow that she kept, it's had a big impact on my life. And yeah. so I feel like there's generational curses and generational blessings that get passed down. And that was a huge, huge thing. And our connection was so tight and so close. And so um, she definitely had a huge impact on on me. And then number two would be, um, oh my gosh. Choose carefully. They're listening. I know. Um, is it people I know or people I don't know? Because there's, it can be people you don't know. Okay. There's, there's people that I, I admire greatly. Uh, I went on my last epic adventure last year because of a testimony I saw from Heidi Baker. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this woman, I watch her testimony and, um, it just impacted me so much because she went to Mozambique, the poorest country in the world, with $30 in her pocket and ends up, you know, 30, 40 years later having a worldwide ministry mm. by this one act of faith. And I was like, well, if Heidi Baker can go to Mozambique with $30, I can go to L.A. with my cat, you yeah, know, right. thinking <laughs> like, yeah. so and then and then like. 50 days into my LA journey, I'm like, this is all Heidi Baker's fault, you know, and I'm cursing her. <laughs> like, but I ended up getting to meet her and it was amazing. And um, I just love her uh, devotion to God. And I admire that, that strength, that faith, that whatever that is, that mm-hmm. anointing on her life. And she definitely has had a huge impact on me as, as the type of person I want to be mm-hmm. one day when I grow up. That's cool. And then the third person would be, I think my mom, Mm. um, we've always had our differences and haven't always gotten along, but, um, my mom is one of the strongest people I know and that I know that she genuinely loves me and all of her children. And, um, I, I think she's amazing. And so, and she's really funny and that's where I get my sense of humor, but her just watching her over the years and her strength. Her trials that she's endured. Um, yeah, I think my mom for sure. That's good. So, uh, grandma, yeah, Heidi Baker, and your mom. I know. Nice bunch of strong women. Strong women. Strong yep, women. Love good. it. All right, cool. Uh, next question. <clears throat> 
If you could have a billboard with anything on it, <laughs> what would be on it and why? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is, this is a hard one. <laughs> yeah, it's the hardest questions. Um, I think it would just be something like completely vague and um, people would be like, what? Or something that would say like, um, it's all true. <laughs> you know, just something so random like what's true all of it <laughs> like, so is it like the point of that to just confuse people yeah just, <laughs> just it's all, why would somebody put that on a billboard you know one of those like just totally random <laughs> that's good I like that it's very confusing cool um, if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18 year old self what would you tell her <laughs> Nothing. She wouldn't listen anyway. That's so um, funny. Mix said the exact same thing. <laughs> she wouldn't listen. You know what I would tell her? Keep going. Mm. Don't stop. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful, but it's it's all going to work out. And that's what I would tell her. That's Just also make ridiculous. all those yeah. mistakes. Do it. Nothing's. Yeah. There's nothing I could say that would stop her. And she's going to do whatever she wants. So it's <laughs> just as big as your billboard. Yeah. <laughs> just get, just keep going, kid. Just, just do it. <laughs> do all that crazy stuff. <laughs> all right. What is your best tip for making the world a better place? Hmm. Best tip. Better best. place. Tell the truth. Mm, honesty. Tell the truth. This world is just... <laughs> it's not truthful. It's a bunch of lies. <laughs> it's a bunch Built of liars. on lies. Mm. Okay, that's good. That's actually a great one. What would you pick as your last meal? You're a murderer, which people are, or everybody already knows <laughs> that. And you're caught, finally. And, uh, and you're, on, you're on death row. You've been I'm on death row. Super hungry. That's right. You have to eat before you <laughs> die for whatever reason. And uh, and yeah, what's your last meal going to be? You can ask for anything. Oh, I, there's only one answer. My mom's roast beef with mashed potatoes and mm. uh, yeah, green beans and whatever she makes with that. <laughs> are you technically? It, she you literally technically, has to make it for me though. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Are you technically southern? Is that? A, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So southern food. <laughs> southern food. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, I'm, I'm going out and. Style. And she has to make it for and you. And she has to make it for me. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen. Okay. Um. Vacation exploring or vacation relaxing? Mm. I know you haven't had a vacation in a while, and I'm pretty sure... My last vacation, I spent six months in Mexico, so it was definitely an exploring and relaxing vacation. Um, I'm I'm a both. I like both. Okay. Yeah, I like both. Go exploring and then you relax. And then, yeah, chill. Okay. But I, when I'm in a new place, I like to explore that new okay. place, so yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, very last question. Ready? Yeah. What does the words set free mean to you? Mm. Free. Um, you know, prior to coming to Anaheim and meeting Pastor Phil yeah. and the set free meant a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just being free in the Lord. Like I remember when he set me free from heroin, he set me free from, um, just all kinds of stuff in my life, you know, yeah. in that freedom of knowing that I don't ever have to go back to that. But when I met Pastor Phil, set free, took on a whole new meaning. Sure. So being part of that ministry is uh cha changed the the meaning for me. But I see it now more so as like a, a community. Of course. Yeah. 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 The word set free to me is uh is always different as you ask people. It means something differently. Yeah. Uh, it means something different to everybody. It's interesting to hear people's uh different, you know way of understanding it as they go through life. It's pretty interesting to me to 
And the only reason why I ask this question is because it's called set free speech. I feel yeah. like it's, we should talk about what that, whatever that means. But, um, well, there you go. Those were the, uh, 10 hardest questions ever. And, um, you passed, you answered them, which is Thanks. passing. Yeah, Thanks. that's good. I got a D. I have no idea if you were going to actually it. answer any of those questions because they're so dumb or whatever you said. <laughs> dumb question. Your 10 dumbest questions. Is that what they're called? Yeah, sometimes. But, um, but thank you for answering those. Hopefully people understand you just a little bit more. Um, now, when I had asked you, uh, what do you want to talk about? We talked about a couple different subjects before we um, agreed on a subject mm-hmm. that is um, about um, church and money. And, church and, uh, money. and tithing is definitely part mm-hmm. of this, the concept of offering, and then also the recipients mm-hmm. of money in the church. Because mm-hmm. I think that inside the church, there's this like, uh, this is misconception at times, actually most times, about how to handle money itself. Mm-hmm. Money itself is never deemed as an evil thing inside the Bible. In fact, it says that the love of money, the mm-hmm. you part of money is the evil, evil part. So it's not really the money itself. Money is a tool. It's just a tool, exactly. And so because of that, um, people really kind of, you know, just say that money is evil itself. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's not entirely true. The reason why money can be evil to a lot of people is because their experiences with it. And especially in a church setting, it just feels so backwards when you begin, when you end up, people end up serving two masters mm-hmm. and it becomes this really contradicting and really kind of a lot of, to a lot of people, taboo subject. In fact, there's a lot of people that go to church and the second that they uh, hear anything about tithing, offering, anything like that, they get completely turned off oh, to yeah. that church entirely. And um, a lot of the ways, a lot of the reasons is because I think most churches have a hard time talking about it. Like they're not really talking about it in a way that um, that really resonates with people that walk through the doors. And also too, they may not understand entirely what it is they should be doing with money in general. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, if in case, there's a lot, of, a lot of people that don't know who specifically that you are, but um, you were sent on ministry, uh, ministry work after some big revelations inside of your life. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it having to do with being able to get rid of money mm-hmm. and also taking on loads of it mm-hmm. as well. And so um, what is your relationship with money, do you think, even uh, even all the way up to this day? So um, early on in my 20s, I was making a lot of money. I had, um, it, you know, is there was no lack, right? Like, but I was completely miserable in, in and of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I was because of that abundance of money and no purpose in life, I was, I had everything, sorry, I have a cold. Um, Mm -hmm. I had everything I could want, house, cars, walk-in closets, all the stuff, you know, trips, whatever you want, but I was completely lacking inside. Mm -hmm. And so I gave it away. Uh, I mean, I ended up getting on drugs because I was so miserable. And so Mm -hmm. when God delivered me from this and this lifestyle of addiction and stuff, I went from these jobs where I was making quite a bit of money to where when I started working, when I got born again and stuff, he, the Lord really put it on my heart to go work minimum wage jobs. Mm. And I had never in my whole life yeah. since I was a child work for minimum wage or, yeah. or even anywhere close to it. So, uh, that was, that was tough, but I learned in that, that humbling process of like more money is more problems. And until you have a purpose in life, um, money is not a, a help more it, it's a hindrance to you it's a hindrance to you 
um, in so many levels, especially when you're walking by faith, because you can't believe God's going to take care of you if you can take care of yourself. Right. And so it takes away that. Um, I feel like there's a period in our lives where we need to depend on God for every everything, and it, mm-hmm. and it strengthens our bond with him. And I don't feel like everyone's going to go through the same walk, obviously, but I know that depending on him for my daily sustenance has strengthened my trust in him. Right far more than anything else right. has, you know, um, we will, uh, get into more of a personal talk about how yeah. like money has kind of affected our lives individually. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, in the second half, okay. but in this um, first half, I guess that it'll make more sense for us to kind of talk about what it is that we believe, um, money is for how it's addressed even inside the Bible. So, um, so there's a, People like to tend to think that the only place that the Bible really talks about um, money and the idea of giving and stuff like that is usually in the New Testament, and that's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. It's actually loaded through the Old Testament, and the whole entire purpose every single time is to be able to, one, trust, and two, to be able to take care of mm-hmm. every single time, and to take care of people that are teaching, living off of, if you would, mm-hmm. um, and also people that have nothing. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was specifically widows and orphans that were not encouraged to work and mm-hmm. to do anything outside of just existing. And so, uh, it was the, it was the um, responsibility of the people to be able to take care of them. And yeah. God had these, um, um, had these like, uh, stipulations or guidelines or, um, laws to be able to kind of take care of that. Yeah. But I know that you want to uh, look at, at more of like intent, God, uh, intent of God to be yeah. able to kind of look at that. So, so, so I think, and, um, in the old structure in the old testament you know we god sets out a pattern for the way he he operates his kingdom because everything about our walk with him is a kingdom mindset Mm -hmm. and so he's a king and there's a kingdom and there's finances in the kingdom to keep it operational but um you know in the old system we had a priesthood and the and the priesthood didn't work all the other tribes supported the tribe of levi to help them um be able to they handled the holy things of God while everyone else supported them. Mm-hmm. And then they also distributed the the things that came in to the widows and orphans. And there was a hierarchy of basically like a structure. I wouldn't call it a hierarchy, but sure. a structure mm-hmm. so that everything God's things got taken care of. And they did. They got taken care mm-hmm. of. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so but it was it was a there was order to it. Right? right. And I feel like in the New Testament, especially in these last days type there's Mm -hmm. a lot of church hurt like you were saying like a lot of people that are traumatized by things that go on inside the church and they don't want to they don't trust anybody and they don't want to tithe and they think the tithe is evil or that's part of the old covenant Mm -hmm. or whatever but it's really not um what um hebrews 7 12 says for the priesthood being changed of necessity there also became a change in the law so uh, that priesthood being changed from the levitical to the melchizedek melchizedek it just means righteous king um it's the same order in which uh abraham went to melchizedek and gave him a tenth of his spoils that was the first thing he did Mm -hmm. to honor him and that was the what we would call a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, you know, is um, this Melchizedek, this righteous king. And Jesus, Abraham gave him 10% of everything he had. Mm -hmm. And so... um, And this is pre-law. This is pre-Moses. This is Uh, pre-Moses. Yeah. 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 So this is like before the law was given. This was... um, So it's before the law. Right. And so God's taking us back to the same order because he says, now you're under this new Melchizedek, Melchizedek priesthood Mm -hmm. in Hebrews. And that's what the whole book of Hebrews is about is the new priesthood and how it operates. And so 
if we are still in this new priesthood, um, the 10%, it's like Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's Mm -hmm. and render to God the things that are God's. Mm -hmm. Well, Caesar requires your taxes and God requires your tithes. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, uh, it's an act of worship. Mm -hmm. Like I trust you with my 10%. Like I want to give you my 10%. And so, and then we come into the New Testament and um, in in another way that the priesthood has kind of changed is now we don't have the the Levites anymore, but what we do have are apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers. Mm-hmm. We have these fivefold ministers that go and live their lives for the gospel. They lay down their lives for the gospel, or they mm-hmm. should. And right. See, and this is where the discrepancy comes in, sure. right? Because you have pastors who are making hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. and like living in these bougie mansions and driving Ferraris, and that's not biblical right that. because by that point you're starting to lose the point of the tithe itself it's mm-hmm. not necessarily to um to put just not to create kings out of pastors mm-hmm. right it's to be able to take care of more people there's a scripture i forget where it is i want to say it's in ezekiel but um, it's basically saying that the the point of being able to make so much and to have so much resource is not for somebody to look at it's mm-hmm. not for the person to look at it's for distribution to mm-hmm. everybody else which means that there's a cap to what we need the content understanding of how much that mm-hmm. we actually need and then everything else that you get beyond that whether it's a little bit or a bunch is for more a little bit of more people or a bunch more people mm-hmm. and to be able to understand that has a lot to do with well how yeah. do you understand what you think you deserve mm-hmm. and that's where it comes down to in a lot of churches and a lot of these uh mega churches and mega these churches and stuff it, like mega that. churches are the it, it's the um mm, i don't know it's the churchianity right it's not sure. it, that that was never God's intent. He said, "Go and multiply." You yeah. know, don't, don't build like, empires. Yeah, it's the most yeah. like American capitalist mm-hmm. version of Christianity you mm-hmm. can have, right? Is yeah. build a business out of a church, and that's what it is. Even young pastors, when they go off to seminary, they take business classes. Mm-hmm. They're taught how to run businesses, yeah. and they treat the church as a business, right. and it's not. It's yeah. it's a faith walk. It's a dependency on God. It's mm-hmm. something that you literally. It's an act of worship, mm-hmm. right? And and it's a responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required, right? And so it, it takes prayer and thoughtfulness and, and accountability. And mm-hmm. if you don't have those things, mm-hmm. you will never, ever, ever be a faithful servant, yeah. right? Like a faithful and true servant. Because um, by that point, you do have two masters. Yeah, for sure. For you sure. Do, you, do, you do serve mammon and you do serve money and you do serve God. Yeah. Or at least you think that you serve both. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to the way we're actually running our church buildings right. and calling that the church when really we are the temple of the living God. Mm-hmm. His spirit dwells in us and we are called to do the work of the Lord. Like yeah. we, And so and not everyone I know is called to lay down their lives for the gospel. But sure. Jesus said, um, don't muzzle an ox. Or Paul says, don't muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. That mm-hmm that that ox he wasn't saying that for the ox he was saying that so that the um the ox gets fed while he works and jesus said if you live by the gospel live from the gospel you should eat from or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um i googled it but i forgot (laughs) it's okay yeah yeah. uh but you you know what i mean it's a righteous thing um you know but very few people actually live that like the seven day a week pastor not just a sunday morning pastor and there's this whole different um uh structure that we built for ourselves Mm -hmm. and so what's wrong is actually our structure of our idea of church and our idea of giving um a lot of people think it 
to me, they treat the tithe as a religious checklist, right? right. Like I stuck my money in the box. Yeah. I've done my job. I'm now considered more righteous because I did that. I, I did my, or yeah. I did my church duty. Yes. Um, you know, give me my smiley face check mark, yeah, like right. check it off my box, yeah. you know, and that's not it. And uh, we missed it because really it's, it's a, it's, your tithe is between you and God mm-hmm. and it can be, you, he might tell you to give your 10% to the guy on the corner right. with no f- shoes on or, right. you know, uh, go help out this person, this lady with her kids mm-hmm. and she you know, they don't have any groceries. I mean, it could be anything. And that's the second piece to this understanding of things is that when you begin to understand the structure, right? The mm-hmm. structure of it is that, um, the temple, if it is considered, um, um, we'll say, a, a, a first step, if you would, of, a, of an example as to what it, how God sees the world. The second example of this would be the church, but it's not the church building. It's not a temple in which he like resides. He resides in all of us who believes in him. Right. And mm-hmm. so all of us being as uh, being a temple in Christ within us as a chief priest, that means that all of us have a responsibility as individuals, as temples as well, which mm-hmm. means that, and this happens often people come up to us as believers, people that believe in helping people, people who believe in, you know, taking care of those who are less fortunate, people who believe in miracles, people who believe in a Jesus that cares and loves for people, people come to us and they need help. And a lot of times it's, it could be a financial thing. And by that point, it's just like, oh, sorry, buddy. Like this is for the church. And we start treating the church, the group of the gathering of people the coming building, together yeah. as a temple. When in our reality, you were the temple. Yeah. And at that point, you you were a, you were a priest to be able to figure out, I'm, I'm the one who's responsible mm-hmm. taking care of the, the orphans, the, uh, the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. So instead of me like actually doing that and taking the responsibility of taking care of people, I give it off to somebody else and say, I want nothing. That, to do I, that's that. not my burden anymore. That's yeah. yours. Oh, why didn't you? And then, and then the other issue is that we don't check and see what they're spending their money on. We, oh, you talking we, about churches? Yeah. And yeah. we don't, we, we're to hold them accountable. You're, mm-hmm. you, you can't just dump your money in any old box and just say, oh, I did it. Or, right. That preacher said, sow a seed. I better sow my seed. Or, you know, to get deceived by Mm -hmm. these ministers that are just completely false, false teachers. Um, But it's our job to check their records, check and see what they're spending their money on. If Mm -hmm. they're not doing the work of the Lord, don't give them your money. If you don't (laughs) see any kind of expansion in the church when it comes to ministry, evangelism. What um, are they doing with the money they have? If you don't see that happening, but you see the 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 pastor Rolls Royce. The cars are getting nicer. The church is. The church just got new carpet, and yeah, you know, right. but, but the community is falling apart. The, the, whole, the carpet's too holy for anybody to step on. You yeah, know right. what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. And so when you see when you begin to see those types of things, that's what you should, as an individual, and yeah, God gives us like a mind a to be able flag, to think of it. Yeah. Exactly, it should yeah. be a red flag for us to be able to respond differently to it. To one, to challenge the mm-hmm. church at that point, challenge leaders. Leaders need challenges just as much as anybody else, and to say, "Hey, pastor, I would love to know where this money's going to," and like finding those things out, and especially if you are like challenged. Mm-hmm. If you get to that point where you trust the pastor because the community's taken care of and they do a lot of great things and they're always out there doing stuff, it's like, oh, run it. I'm glad to give my money here because I trust these people. These mm-hmm. are my people. These are my family. This is my local church. Mm-hmm. This is the place that I go to. I'm getting but if, fed, yeah. Yeah, and if at all you feel like challenged at it, you're like, I don't know, something is a little fishy. The dude rolled in in like the nicest suit ever and like, and the, still the community's falling apart and I never see him outside of Sunday. Yeah. That's something that should be like, well, maybe I don't actually, maybe I don't understand where my money's going to and that's an irresponsible way of mm-hmm. giving. That's giving. Yeah. That's just a religious checklist giving. That's yes. not worship. That's not uh, my favorite thing is to pray like, God, this is your money. Mm-hmm. It's your 10%. What do you want me to do with right. it? And, and, and then he'll, 
he'll show me. It's yeah. not, that's an invitation for you to go closer in your walk with the yeah. Lord. It's not just something that you just toss money into a box and say, Oh, done that for the week. You yeah. know, um, it, I think it's more of a hot heart posture too of like, um, that cheerful giving yes god loves a cheerful giver like you're giving because you want to yeah. because it's like it's like i can't wait to give god my 10 percent. right um but yeah i think in the church system the uh the way the structure of it is definitely um the biggest thing i see is the uh, 501c3 has had the biggest mm. impact on the church at large it started about really really in um about 50 years ago you want to explain what it is yeah it's so it's the nonprofit tax exempt status that comes from the government mm. and so it by law a church in and of itself does not need to be taxed ever and that's just written into our constitution mm. um but this 501c3 from the from the IRS is given to charities and to nonprofits and to other things be, um, ministries um, that aren't churches, right? Because mm-hmm. there's you can have a ministry without having a church, yeah. and those things have to have a five hundred one c three for tax purposes. Yeah. But a church in and of itself can never be taxed, and that's written into the constitution. But a lot of church leaders have gotten into the system of a five hundred one c three because they're deceived, thinking, "Oh, we have to have that." Mm. We ha- and so what it does is it incorporates your church as a business, mm-hmm. and you treat it like a business, and you. Um, all the people that pay their little ties, they get little tax write-offs, you know, from yeah. the government. Oh, yeah, You're that. getting a break from Caesar to pay your tithe to God. Um, and that yeah. ties back to scripture, even in New Testament. Yeah, of Jesus saying, give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He didn't say, give to Caesar what is God. So you can give to God what is Caesar's and get a break from yeah. Caesar for giving to God. Yeah, right. Mix, <laughs> mixing like, the two. Where yeah. It's mixture of the holy and the profane to me. Um, um, and, and, and it does more than that. The 501c3, basically, it, it's a, I call it a muzzle on the churches because they tell you, uh, don't um, preach against whatever it is, yeah. hate speech, racism, sure. um, uh, homosexuality, anything that you want to preach about that's in your Bible. If you if they deem it hate speech, they mm-hmm. can take away your tax exempt status, right. even though you don't need one anyway. <laughs> Because the church is so they hold, they hold the power yeah. over so, the state so, has power over so the church. So you're linked up, yeah. You're linked up with this, um, with this this contract basically. Mm-hmm. Now, when Jesus tells uh, Peter to go down to the, um, uh, Peter comes to him and says, "Lord, are you going to pay your tax?" You know, and he says, "Go catch a fish, and you'll find a fish with a coin in his mouth, and go pay the tax for you and me." Right? Mm-hmm. He says, "Go pay it for you and me." God, He supernaturally gave him the money to pay the taxes for you and me. He says, um, but before he does this, he asks him a question. He says, um, "Whom do the kings of the earth take taxes? Do they take them from sons or do they take them from slaves?" And Peter's answer: They take them from slaves. Mm-hmm. And he says, "So the sons are free." And he says, "Yes." So that means if the world system isn't taxing you you mm-hmm. are a son you're of the son. world system yeah, yeah right so you're part of this whole entire system itself you're, the you're, corrupt system you're in like. that yeah dude yeah. and so you're linked up with the system that's not taxing you but jesus said go pay it for you and me mm-hmm. so that we do not offend them right so the world isn't offended by us when they see joel olstein and her his i hate to mention names but sure, we're gonna mention names. Ah. i'm sure he doesn't listen to it i'm sure he's not listening <laughs> I mean, what's up, Joel? <laughs> okay, anyway, but you you hear you see him in his fancy house, cars, all that stuff, and and then people outside of his church hungry and yeah. and dirty, and 
he wouldn't let people in when the floods came and uh-huh. it's like the world is offended by that i'm offended yeah. by that my yeah. holy spirit is grieved by mm-hmm. that right and so that's what causes the church hurt against money and that's why there's such a big scandal against giving god what is his and um even though the only time in the whole bible where god says test me on this one thing he god is inviting us to test him Uh right like Uh give me my tithes and offerings and see if i will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing upon you you cannot contain it Uh all he wants is his 10 percent. yeah and he he says test me Uh He's daring you to try him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the only time he says that in the whole yeah. Bible. And so we're getting robbed of a blessing and obedience, our chance to be obedient to God and have a blessing and a relationship with God because because we're offended, because the church has offended us. Right. Yeah. And, and even when you like... <clears throat> Uh, fast forward into um, uh, New Test, a lot of New Testament teachings, mm-hmm. really heavy New Testament teachings, having a lot to understand, like the core of why it is that we do what we do. Really understanding the person that's standing in front of you, and so instead of you feeling as though it's like do it because it's the righteous thing to do, it's like well, let's understand the person that's in front of you, so you can see people the same way God sees people. Really understand the love uh, coming from you as it would be coming from God, and that challenge within itself is uh, the idea of testing with uh, the tithe. Is like well, let's test what it means to be able to take care of the those who are less fortunate mm-hmm. to you. Let's uh, test what it means to uh, put your money uh, to people that you um, uh, uh, that you respect and that you love because they're teaching gospel, mm-hmm. they're doing things in the wake of you. There are plenty of uh, um, stories inside the Bible of people that had more money than other people and they had literally bought tombs, bought um, homes, bought all kinds of certain things because what they had probably wasn't as much time, but they had the money. And that mm-hmm. was enough of a blessing to be able to create more blessings down the long run. So the idea of testing really is just like testing of a concept. It's like, it's not just like this testing, like, oh, God's just testing if I'm willing to fork up the money. Well, at this point, it's a lot deeper than that. He's testing to see if you see people the same way he does, which is that they're less fortunate. I don't need it as much as they do. Can I take care of mm-hmm. them? Yes or no. And that's where it becomes a challenge because mm-hmm. some people are just like, I don't want to take care of them mm-hmm. because it's there pointing at whoever they think they should be pointing at their responsibility to do that not mine Mm -hmm. and our reality no that is your responsibility entirely we've even gone to the next level of this which is um we now depend on the government to do the church's job and we we started this government with separation of church and state Mm -hmm. for a reason a very good reason a bureaucracy cannot love it is red tape it does not work it doesn't have a heart right so in theory we can give out all the food stamps all the whatever it is benefits and all these things all day long Mm -hmm. but it doesn't it's not making it better it's only creating a monster that we can't continuously feed because because when the church actually gets up and they go out and they feed the poor Mm -hmm. and they're hands-on and they're doing it with love and they're giving clothes out and they're clothing the naked feeding the poor um visiting the people in prison and doing all the things that jesus said to do right and we're actually out there hands-on doing it ourselves we can do it with the holy spirit and Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. and actually change people's lives that's right but when the government tries to do it and they just put money on a card once a month it's never enough and you're feeding an animal that is getting out of control and people are dependent on this thing but but that's why we keep the separation Mm -hmm. jesus admitted separation of church and state Render to Caesars yeah. what is Caesars and mm-hmm. give to God what is God. So, right. so, but the reason is because it's that it's that love aspect of the hands-on. Let's go out in the streets. Let's do it ourselves. Let's. We got the money here. We can go 
bring these people. That's how you evangelize yeah. is with the stuff. Yep. Right. So when the people are like, oh, I don't need the church. I got the government doing it for me. Yeah. Then, then that that limits all the people we can witness to because because they yeah. get they get checks every month. Or yeah, they get, you know, they they're, don't, not, they're not preaching gospel per se. Yeah. They're just they're just getting their money without the gospel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So people are being helped. But with like it's just coming from a government, which yeah. is different than a person sitting there or a church or a group yeah. of people coming out and saying the reason as to why I'm giving you this is because this is a gift from God. Right. I didn't, you didn't have to have this. I didn't have to give it. But the fact that I am means right. that I care about you. And that's way more impactful than just, and here's your sandwich. And, and so, so then take it a step further. It also creates animosity between the tax, the rich and the poor, because the rich people are paying all these taxes and yeah. the poor people are eating it up. And now there's this hatred yeah, right. between the two. And mm-hmm. now you have a class system. So it's, so broken. It's so broken. Yeah. Yeah. The whole entire yeah. thing is falling all, apart. It's all a mess. It's <laughs> all a mess. All because God, the people don't want to do God's because, stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah, because people want to put their money in a box and know that it's taken care of for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it really is this, um, It honestly, it makes sense because uh, especially in a capitalist America that very much mm-hmm. is saying that. I want to be able to just have my subscription version of righteousness or church. And even today to a point to where, not to say this is evil per se, but it really is disconnecting people from this whole concept is people can now subscribe to giving to a church monthly. That means that it's like, it and it's just coming straight out of their bank account. Yeah. Like, for, like it was Netflix or something. Yeah. And it's just like, they, and they forget about it and it just goes there. And it's just like, but there's no, like, there's no real connection to that anymore. Now yeah. it just becomes a bill. Yeah. And there really isn't this understanding of things instead of being like, like a pastor coming up on stage. It's like, Hey guys, we want to, you know, start doing a branding ministry and it's going to require this much money. You guys down want to be able to help with this. And everybody be like, Oh, absolutely. They know where it's going. They know how to be able to go mm-hmm. about like uh, giving to that. Some people be like, oh, I actually don't have that much money but I can offer my time, which Mm -hmm. is worth something and being able to actually be a part Mm -hmm. of a change rather than just, again, subscription, Netflix style, and just like forgetting that you even gave, Mm -hmm. it's not personal anymore. Mm -hmm. And when you actually like think about what it is you want to give, and Paul talked about that, and I think in first Corinthians about, um, think about what it is you want to give, make it settled inside your heart, what you want to give to the other church. And uh, once you settle that in your heart, give that. Cause I don't Mm -hmm. want you to give out of necessity. I also don't want you to give, um, I also want you to give in a cheerful heart. So Make it clear what it is you want to give as an offering to these people and and just give it from that mm-hmm. point. And it really is this like understanding of where is it going and am I happy about this? This is cool. Do I understand where uh, all the whole entire dynamics of it? Mm-hmm. Most people don't. And mm-hmm. it's not being taught. It's mm-hmm. simply being taught as a just give to God and God's going to give you money back. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's actually really the, the, the prosperity. And repeat, yeah, the, the prosperity and the name it and claim it and all that. Um, now, I, I mean, I kind of want to just a little personal thing Mm -hmm. um when when i first got born again for some reason that was one of the first things i wanted to do i Mm -hmm. didn't know anything else i just knew i wanted to tithe right like it was just in my total infancy stage of being born again and um i was reading my bible and i just wanted to give to god so i went to work and as soon as i got my check i was like oh lord i can't wait to get (laughs) i was like looking but i remember i was i didn't go to church so i was like but where do I give my money to? Right. It was like, I was stomped. And then I was like, Lord, where do you, I, I just started praying. Yeah. And I was like, and then he just started showing me like the people on the street that yeah. needed something. So yeah. I'd go buy them what they needed. I wouldn't give them money. I would just, they need shoes. I'll go buy them shoes. And I would give them shoes. Yeah. And it was like, I know that within a month, cause I had a stupid job. I mean, minimum wage, not even good. Yeah. And I was living out of town and I wanted to move home but I didn't have enough money. Within one month, I got moved home, sign-on bonus, um, 
great job flew me to omaha for training and and mm-hmm. a stranger gave me a brand new mitsubishi eclipse wow. but i knew it was from like my heart to cheerfully give it wasn't because i was of the amount i was giving mm-hmm. or anything like that but it was that relationship that i was yeah. forming with god of okay lord who do you want me to give this money to yeah. and i can't wait to give it yeah. like i it was like my heart of like i cannot wait to throw yeah. some money around but i remember in that it taught me how to hear his voice it taught me so many things mm-hmm. that like i mean that i still use to this day of how i communicate with him right and and i was just a baby right. christian yeah. like i didn't know anything else i just yeah. i just knew i wanted to give him my money yeah, you know right. what i mean that's all i do yeah which, which but, is which is so much more personal yeah. than people that just like i give my tithe because i'm supposed to because mm-hmm. i have to like well Sure, that's a piece of obedience, mm-hmm. but the obedience isn't backed up by an understanding that has mm-hmm. a, a full-blown connection to God and what it's for. And I see, I've seen so many people that just um, give the tithing and they really don't reap a lot of benefit. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just financial benefit. I'm talking about they don't get much of a benefit at all yeah. to this point to where they start questioning, why am I even doing this? Which mm-hmm. is a decent question. Yeah. But they go, they get into this like rut and they're just like, what's the what's what's the point of all this it's a chore and yeah and and they don't see the fruit because because it's so much more than just giving yeah it, it, it god just wants he, the, the point of the giving is to so that god knows that that money is not your god and right. he is right it's like the money is not important he is but in that if you have an abundance of money that's your chance to pray to him and be like how do you want me to give or yes. should i give more than 10 percent? or yeah. you know god has tested me in so many ways uh, with money mm-hmm. i can't even begin to tell you like um sometimes i'll get down to my last 10 bucks and instead of me going to buy whatever it is i want to buy i'll see somebody and and god's like give your money to them sure and i'm like mm, and- okay <laughs> and immediately i get like 10 times the amount of money right. in my pocket and those, you know and in those challenges those are those testing moments to be able to see like how he will be able to bless you back and uh, i want to i want to take a quick break here okay. uh, so we can come back and actually talk about personal experiences when it comes yeah. to money and maybe we can give uh um, if we can give direction as to what we think <laughs> would work for people, but it's always going to be different as people go along where somebody comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, I've been following all the laws forever <laughs> since I was a kid. And his advice to him is to sell everything, you know? So it's not going to be this cookie cutter. Everybody has to go through this very specific type of thing. It's going to be different. It's going to be per person. But um, I would love to talk about um, what it is that uh, we've gone through in our uh, relationship with money and stuff like that and see where we can go over there. Good. Good. All right. I'll take a break. So, what is your name, and what do you think about giving money to a church? Uh, my name is Lisa Moreno, and what do I think about giving money to a church? I believe that it's what we're supposed to do to further the kingdom of God and to show our faithfulness in what God provides for us. We're supposed to do that out of um, adoration and faithfulness and just our command to further the kingdom. My name is Ashton Rhodes, and I think that giving money to the church is the first, the most important sign of showing God you're entrusting in Him and showing that He is the way, the truth, and life. And to give to the church is generosity from the heart, and God, He always comes through and repays you tenfold. You never know how, but you know that it's coming, and it's going to come more than you expect, and it's going to come at the least time that you expect it to. Yeah, I love it. My name is Micah, and I am all about giving money to a church. Good. My name is Colton Stewart, and uh, giving money to the church. 
I believe that every little bit counts. I'm a part of a few churches, um, but I do know that coffee costs money. The lights cost money. And uh, I think you should give what you can. God doesn't want us to, you know, be like, give all our money and then say, hey, can I, can I have that back? Because God doesn't need our money. He just wants us to, he, he wants us to be able to trust in him with our money. And that's what I feel about giving to the church. My name's Trenton, and I feel that everybody should give money to God and, and provide because he provides for us. Why not provide for him? Ooh, pretty good. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> and this is how I jump back into a podcast. Um, we were talking about in our first half. I'm here with Marisa Turd Nugget. I, oh, I just honestly forgot your last name again. <laughs> What's your last name again? Jordan Taylor. Jordan Taylor. I knew that. Yeah. I follow you on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so I'm Actually, here with no. so I'm here with uh, Marisa Turd Nugget, <laughs> and in the, we're talking about money in church. In our first half, we were talking about biblically, kind of a good understanding of money and tithing and giving and offering and everything else of the sort. Um, but in the second half, we want to talk about not just that, cause it's going to inevitably come up, but we're also want to talk about kind of personal experience when it comes to money and how it is that we've seen money play out in our lives or maybe people around us and kind of like, you know, just kind of, uh, play around in those thoughts of, uh, not just hypotheticals anymore, but more so actual experiences yeah. and application. Absolutely. And so like one of the things that it got me thinking about you mentioning before is how, um, uh, this understanding, which is, uh, which is alternative uh, mm -hmm. punk mm -hmm. uh, which is that um, my tithing can go to anyway. helping people yeah. my, I, I can be responsible of where the tithing goes as long as I understand that it's going to something that's mm -hmm. going to be helpful or loving or something of the sort so if I have a um, uh, so that brings me to a certain practice people can literally have uh, their tithing in a savings account just like sitting there it's just like oh this is for Jesus money if you don't trust your church for whatever reason you should find a new church if you don't <laughs> but it's sitting right. so if it's sitting is sitting over in your savings or whatever and it's like this is for people that need this is for people that need something somebody can come up to you and say like bro like I just lost my job and I can't make my rent next week. Mm -hmm. That very much is coming back to even this uh, financial understanding of how the first acts church took care of each other, mm -hmm. where it's just like they sold things just to be able to make sure that they took care of each other. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way of being able to take care of people. And um, so that's very much a blessed, uh, blessed, uh, blessed practice. And then even if somebody comes up to you um, or, or somebody on the street, they, you can note, you know, it's the same guy that's on the street, you know, every single day that you get up in their neighborhood and you can tell that they're homeless or you can tell that they're, you know, that they're, struggling that you can be like, wow, I have a good chunk of change over here. I can really do something with this guy. Take him on over somewhere. I can uh, bring him some clothes. I can bring him some food, like actually new clothes and new food, not just hand-me-downs from yeah. myself, but I can actually do something with it because I have money that's specifically made for that. And so um, um, most people don't really uh, know, obviously, your story and everything of the sort, mm -hmm. but you've ran a, um, um, a homeless Almost ministry. Yeah. And uh, tell me what that was kind of like for you. So... <clears throat> It started completely by faith. I was living on a golf course in a condo, two bedroom, two bath, and had a job and a car. And I remember God said, sell your car, move out of your condo and quit your job. Like literally nice. I did all three things <laughs> on the same day. <laughs> and I remember that day very specifically because he said, you work for me now. And from that day, that was August 20th of 2020, I have not worked a regular quote unquote job, sure. like with a paycheck. Mm -hmm. So I was, it, 
I remember right in the season two, the Lord said, are you ready? He asked me a question. Are you ready to walk by faith? And I was like, don't I already? You know, yeah, right. I, this what is, have I been doing? Yeah, <laughs> what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> like, but I promise when God asks you a question, you do not have the correct answer. So <laughs> he was just talking about that next level of faith, that complete childlike dependence on him. And I didn't understand that at first, but I knew it was the Lord. I knew he was nudging me to do this. And uh, so I all three things I did in one day I moved I took the money first I couched her for for a moment because I, I wasn't I was resisting what I knew he was telling me to do and he was telling me to go down rent uh go down and rent a room in the worst part of town mm. which would happen to be on the beach um in the it was beside of a like a we have we you know the motels the mm-hmm. the pay nightly rental motels but they're drug infested back home in Myrtle Beach where I'm from and Mm -hmm. um, I moved in right beside probably the most dangerous one Mm -hmm. in town and so they're all shut down now thankfully but when I moved in it was probably the peak of the violence and the Mm -hmm. things going going on and and so the place I moved into was actually pretty safe it was the building next to me that was like terrible so I didn't even want to go outside my room and I I stayed in that room for three weeks and prayed day and night for 21 days Mm -hmm. and on the 21st day um, I had a vision of a man with a red sleeping bag on a bench five blocks away, mm-hmm. and I had never had a vision like this before. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Do I go down there? I was like, Ooh, I'm going down there. I'm going down there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I just jumped up and I <laughs> ran down there. And it was February. It was cold. It was rainy. And um, and so uh, I get down. I come around the corner, and he's sitting right there on the bench. And I couldn't believe it because I was like, What do I do now? Okay, okay, he's here, but what do I do? And so I went to the ATM, I pulled out some money, and I went to him, and I was like, sir, are you homeless? Like, obviously he's homeless. He's sitting there with this sleeping bag. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know what to say. I I was a newbie, I didn't know. And and he just looks at me with these innocent eyes, and he you can tell he's not a drunk. He's not, he doesn't have any kind of drug problem. He, he he was very simple, mm. right? Like uh, not all there yeah. mentally, yeah. but very gentle and very kind and just these eyes that I could not get out of my head for, probably still can't. Um, anyway, so I was giving him the money mm-hmm. and I was like, you're not gonna believe this, but I was at home and I had been praying and I saw you on this bench and God said to come down here and give you this money. Yeah. And so I handed it to him and he starts weeping mm. and he says, I, changed a lady's tire today and she had two little kids and I wouldn't take any money from her and the Lord saw me and he just tells oh, me wow. this little story and he yeah. starts crying and yeah. I start crying and I was like <laughs> oh my god so I was like can I pray for you so as I pray for him I open my eyes and I look at him and when I do all I see is Jesus looking back at me mm. and I almost fell to my knees and all I heard in my spirit was what you do to the least of these you do unto me yeah. and all of a sudden I was like I know what to do I got to I gotta feed all the homeless people. I went home and I read that chapter in Matthew like over and over and over again, yeah. you know. And so so I didn't I took the money from selling my car and, and uh you know, just paid my rent and and bought toiletries and, and, and all I could afford at the time were peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So mm-hmm. I went out and I fed every person I could find every day lunch yeah. and I would go in and where I live was on the beach, kinda like Venice Beach, the way the boardwalk is. Yeah. We have a boardwalk at home and I would hit the boardwalk and there would be <coughs> excuse me, um like 
10 people on each beach access sleeping every morning. Kids, mm-hmm. they were teenagers. I mean, right. on fentanyl, um, heroin, mainly heroin and yeah. um, fentanyl, and um, just completely drugged out of their minds. And I would just go there every day and I would give them baby wipes and um, peanut butter jelly sandwiches and peanut butter and banana sandwiches. They love those. And um, mm-hmm. Just whatever I could afford until yeah. I ran out of money, mm. and so like I had about uh, I had taken the money from my car and I had invested it into crypto, and I had actually made like fifteen thousand oh, dollars cool. just off that investment. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Lord had given me the dream to invest the money mm. into crypto. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know about what I was doing yeah. until I had that dream. So, so the, it went way up. But I spent all of that money. I cashed it all out, spent it all on the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, myself i didn't Mm -hmm. ask for donations i didn't do anything but i got down to my last five dollars and my rent was due the next day and i'd been doing this for a couple months and i would write testimonies on facebook i didn't put any pictures out i don't exploit anyone that's homeless or anything like that i would just write stories of what encounters i had and people i was meeting anyway so i got down to my last five dollars and i sat in my chair and i was like lord (laughs) i did what you told me and um my rent's due tomorrow and i have five dollars so i'm not gonna tell anybody i need the money just telling you and i trust that you're gonna take care of it and so that was it and 23 hours later i got my first donation of a thousand dollars and people have consistently supported that ministry since then. And and every time um, I get money, the money goes, I mean, when I was doing the homeless ministry, because I'm not currently, but yeah. every time money would come in, I would buy more stuff yeah. and spread, you know, oh, that means we can feed more people today or we can, you know, and then the food, um, I started getting free food from, mm. from the food banks and um, churches were all like, oh, what are you doing? And they would bring me socks and toiletries and, yeah. and, and it just started growing and it was all natural and organic and there was never lack and there was never an abundance. And anytime I did have extra money or I'd get down to my um, end, right, or I'd get down to like nothing, I would take whatever money I had and I would go find a person on the street and be like, hey, you want to go eat lunch with me today and I took him out to lunch and it would just be like a little meeting time one-on-one make him feel special get him off the street take him out for lunch for a minute you know but things like that you know and um and I just found that like no matter what I needed I never had to ask one time uh, one time I asked for money like on a Facebook fundraiser thing Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it was just like my birthday or something do you want to raise money for your birthday or something and I did that and and people donated more than I asked for Mm -hmm. But I remember the Lord saying, don't I take care of you? Mm, you and I was like, yeah. And mm. I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. So from that point, I was like, I'm never going to ask for money again. And and I can count on one hand the amount of times I've literally had to reach out to someone in an emergency situation where it was like, hey, like I got this going on and it's an emergency. Yeah. But I've had a quite the trial since then. So like, <laughs> um, but but. I mean, on a broad spectrum of raising funds or doing like something like that, I never asked for money. Yeah, everything I need was sent to me. Yeah, people would call me. People would. It. I would always be in the most like tight spot, and I would just sit down and pray and be like, "Lord, I got this thing going on, yeah. and I need some help." And yeah. boom, the money would show up, and it would always be exactly enough. Mm-hmm. Always, always the amount I needed. And so the Lord, He was just showing me. If you do my work, what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to take care of it because this is my ministry, yeah. not yours. Yeah. I'm the, I, I'm writing the paychecks, not you. Yeah. 
I'm the boss, not you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm paying your paycheck, right? Like, so the only money that would, um, my personal expenses, which were, I'm a minimalist to the core. So like Mm -hmm. literally I have one pair of shoes, you know, I can fit all my laundry in one little bag. Like I am, I've, I've been a minimalist for a couple years now and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that lifestyle. Um, but, um, so my, my expenses, I remember I had a a tooth, some teeth, a tooth I needed pulled and a cavity. Mm -hmm. I needed like a thousand dollars worth of work. And the, I was working alongside several different churches and one of them just said, oh, you need to go to the dentist. And they took me immediately. I mean, it wasn't even a question. Right. And so that's what churches are for. That's what the tithing is for. Mm -hmm. Someone's in need. Let's help them. You know, we send missionaries all over the world, but we don't realize our own streets are broken down right now. We shouldn't be sending anybody anywhere until we get our own house in order. (laughs) And so I was working with these, um, like churches, church building churches around my area and they were all I was teaching them how to do like street ministry and come yes. out and do do the like let's bring it outside the four walls you yeah, know right. and getting people active out where the problems are mm-hmm. and so so all of it was just though faith 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 and so um, I still have people that support me even in this season of my life where I'm not actually doing the street ministry per yeah, se right. anymore I'm doing something totally different yeah. but I'm still not at that place of like being able to work or, or whatever mm-hmm. per se. Um, and so they still contribute weekly yeah. to me because they believe in the call of God on my life and they've yeah. seen all the fruits. So, so I haven't had to like step out and, but it's like, it's enough to live on. It's not, it's enough to meet my needs that, um, you know, I don't, I don't have many needs. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's like my phone bill gets paid my, you know, whatever, but it's always, um, I always say if I needed a million dollars tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would have a million dollars tomorrow. Yeah, right. Because God, because it's for a purpose, it's for His yeah, kingdom, right. right? It's not like so I can go buy a jet or live in luxury or mm-hmm. anything like that. But I know my God at this point. I know how faithful He is, and I know that if that need was there, mm-hmm. if He needed me to do something extravagant, yeah, that money would show up with it. Right. You know, it's about us stepping out, and and when you step out. God steps out. Mm-hmm. He's gone before you. So it's like, he's just waiting for you to catch up to him. Yeah. He's already paid, made a way to like, find the funds are just waiting to meet you when you're actively walking in your obedience. Right. And so the, the money's going to hunt you down and find you to, for you to be able to do what he's called you to do. So mm-hmm. if he's really called you to do it, you don't have to go and fundraise and we're, you know, cause I know people that are like, um, you know, one of their shingles on the roof falls off and all of a sudden they need a whole new roof and they're mm, raising funds. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're raising funds. They can't get somebody to go up and do a little patch. They got to, sure. you know, but every every little thing that happens, they got to fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. And it's like, oh, I don't think that's how God's king. God, there are no beggars in heaven with a yeah. tin cup shaking it around, like spare some change. Yeah, you know? right, right. There are no beggars. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, there's, there's these people who are constantly begging for money, constantly mm-hmm. raising funds. Um, those are the people I question. Did God call you to do that? Yeah, right. I, because I've walked in it and I know his abundance. I know his how he takes care of every need. And so so I have to question th- those things. And that's just my discernment from my experience. Yeah. But No, I think you're right. I think that it, a lot of that comes from, and people only understand the the concept of giving and what it means to get something back. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, especially the prosperity gospel speaks a lot about like you give money, you're going to get money. Yeah. That's just the way that it works. Right. It's like, God's like some sort of weird, like uh, a slot machine yeah. or something like that. And just like, um, that's not, that's not really the way that it works. Mm-hmm. 
the way that it is that we give is we're giving something out of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? The, the money is an extension of ourselves. It's an extension of time. It's an extension of every single time that you go to work, it, every single dollar that you make, it represents time, mm-hmm. which means that time being the most like valuable thing that it is that we have on this earth, understanding that I'm giving you a piece of my actual time, I'm giving you a piece of me. Mm-hmm. If we understand that in the way that we give, then we know that I'm giving you a lot more than just a dollar or two. Yeah. I'm giving you a, a, a solid uh, piece of my existence. So when you give that money on over to somebody, to get something back is to get the same type of thing. And it's not always money. Mm-hmm. It's somebody's actual time. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you, when you really kind of like go into the deep places of who we are as people, we begin, especially as Christians, we begin to notice that depending on how it is that I give, how it is that I'm giving to the people that need it, people that don't need it, it really kind of says a lot about how it is that I understand money and how it is that I understand myself in giving. Because in a lot of different ways, I don't have a story like that, the one that you just said. It's a really amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. <laughs> and I really do believe that you're a leader when it comes to all this. I can't wait to go to your mega church um, oh my God, sermons. So <laughs> um, but uh, but when I see that story, it's very it's very similar to the stories that I have on such a smaller scale, at least mm-hmm. when it comes to the outside look of it. Anytime everybody anybody ever needed anything and I was capable of giving it as though I I had it mm-hmm. I gave it and it was giving them an extension of myself mm-hmm. a lot of times I remember there was a point in which I was one of the only people that had a car in like a small circle that I had and uh, it wasn't a recent circle that I had it was a long time ago <laughs> I was in my early 20s and um, it's funny how things still <laughs> still happen like that even these days but Thanks. even with then uh, even with that what it is that I give to people are the things that I can and it ends up being a time it ends up being money that would be like for your gas or for the mm-hmm. car or like anything of the sort but I was just so happy to do do it mm-hmm. because I knew that by the end of it, what I was doing, I wasn't just investing in like this. Oh, I have to do it because this is what Jesus people do. It's like, no, I'm investing in a person. Mm-hmm. I want this person to understand that I care. Mm-hmm. I care enough to be able to be there to say, what is it that you need? Oh, I can give that. Mm-hmm. I can give what, what, and what it is that you, you're asking of me and what that re- creates in return. And that's what I think a lot of these, like, um, we'll say, um, we'll say on a smaller scale version Mm -hmm. of these blessings are is that I'm creating these relationships in which people are dying to bless me with their time and Mm -hmm. their efforts and whatever it is that I ask them of anything and I'm a type of person to ask nothing of anybody I don't like asking anybody anything and so (laughs) when the time comes when I do ask of something People are always saying, absolutely, I yeah. will definitely help you out. And that is the blessing that comes back to me. That's that's why it's just like, this, it's mm-hmm. a faith to be able to know, oh, I take care of people because people, God's people, Jesus Christ himself inside of the church, always takes care of me every single time. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. needed anything in, in a dire need of like, oh my God, I'm dying over here because I don't have, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. It was always, I had exactly what it is that I needed and uh, he always used the people to take care of me, mm-hmm. which means that if I buy into that, I am the his people, mm-hmm. I will t- continue to take care of others. Yeah, and sure. it's just like this constant like flow of like, don't you get it, don't you get it, don't you get it. When people stop to understand, when they stop understanding that, <clears throat> that's where they get into that place where they want it to be way more binary than that. Mm-hmm. They want it to be just money in, money out. Mm-hmm. That's how I want to understand God. No, I think um, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about mm-hmm. pretty much any other mm-hmm. subject. And there's a reason for it. There's such yep. a reason because it's such a part of our culture. It's part of our lives. We can't do anything without money in this world, right? Yeah, right like right. It, it's such a necessity. And so, and he knows that, but it can also, it's also been the one of the biggest acts of worship of my life. Right. Trusting him with him. It's like that. It's like, him being what I learned about faith more than anything is that faith is literally that childlike faith of I'm a little helpless baby and I need you to feed me clothe me Mm -hmm. take care of me everything for me because I cannot do it for myself and and when you trust him like that and that money aspect is a huge part of it it's like 
when you're faithful with a little, he'll give you the much. And I know the much is coming one day. Mm-hmm. I know that, that there's a reason for the preparation. And so all these little acts of obedience with money, it's just a, it's preparing me for something bigger. Yeah, I, mega church. Stop saying mega church. <laughs> like get those words out of your mouth. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank God you're not a prophet. <laughs> I'm just a teacher. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's just like it's preparing, but but it's also for me, it's 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 a huge part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a huge part of our relationship because it's that trust. It's like, yeah. dude, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Yeah. And yes, I call the Lord dude sometimes. sometimes yeah, that's, that's <laughs> dude, good. I, I trust mean, you. That close to him. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, it's that hippie Jesus you believe in, right? <laughs> that California Jesus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's just like it, it's so much integrated in part of our relationship. You know, even in the Lord's Prayer, the daily bread. It's mm. the daily bread. You know, it can be money too. It's it's that it's that substance that the that you need for for life, and so He knows that. And um, but do we love that sustenance more than him? Mm-hmm. And that's always what it comes down to. And are we being responsible um, with not only who we give it to, but um, where we give it to? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's it, so there's all these factors. And so to me, it's all an opportunity to grow in your relationship with God and to, because um, I, like I said earlier, it, it the same way that, he taught me early on is the same way I do it now. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed yeah. because I've seen him that works. That's yeah. a consistently working model that I've done over and over and over. And so when things get bad, I sat down, I talk to him, I pray and I worship him and I thank him for what he's about to do. And mm-hmm. that's it. And, and you know what? It's like, I don't have to go out and beg borrowers still because I know he's faithful. He walks on streets of gold. He he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. He doesn't need your money. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. He doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. He needs your heart, but he needs to know that that money is not your God because that money will pull us away from God quicker than anything else. Absolutely. Because money money gives you options so you, you can have all kinds of sins when you have money like well, your, money, sin, your sinning is very limited when you're broke you right. know? And, and money and money represents uh, to a world that is godless um, uh, a godlike power and that's why people gravitate yeah. towards it uh, gravitate towards it so much yeah. is that money itself is not it's it it, it it doesn't sustain anything. Mm-hmm. The actual dollar bill sustains nothing. Even the coins at a certain point, Wordless. they sustain nothing. You can't eat it. You can't use it to do certain things. You just, it's, it's nothing. The only thing that it does is influence. Mm-hmm. So um, the person who works for the money, they're working for a certain type of influence from influence passing from the person who has mm-hmm. it to the person who needs it. Mm-hmm. So if I were to give you a dollar so I can get an apple, that tells me that the power that I have, the influence I have, I am, am influencing you to give me an apple. So, you can imagine that if it was just for an apple, like that's enough influence to be able to get that. If I had plenty of dollars and all kinds of money, then I have ultimately way more power. And, and that's the thing. Apples? Yeah, <laughs> maybe a lot of apples, depending <laughs> on what it is that I need that day, right? But you notice that uh, the more money that you have, the more power that you have. Mm-hmm. And you look at a, um, a capitalist country like this mm-hmm. that really doesn't take care of itself and how it understands mm-hmm. um, money truly that it creates its own monetary system that breaks within itself. It really is kind of like. Um, it's interesting because it is where we have a dollar bill that says in God we trust. It really is hilarious to see and sad to see a country that's kind of caving in on itself because 
now it understands that money is actually power. That it's not has nothing to do with influence and how you can take care of people, but it way more to do with whoever has more money has more influence and power on people mm-hmm. and being able to take that from people. You begin to notice that the high class, very high class, is very so so very small. And this whole entire country is built on a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that coming together, you begin to notice like why it's such a like it's mentioned it before. Jesus talks about money all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why is because we tend to understand that money equals power. So or not understanding at times that you're choosing between two different types of power, the power of the world or the power of God. And to be able to choose between the two, that's the reason why you can't mix them is because two of them have two completely different results. Very different results. Two different powers. Yeah. Two completely different powers. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you get so many people who are like, so what is the money for primarily for people that want power? It usually is going towards some sort of sin. And even the want of that, mm-hmm. the want and the love of that, as the love of money is the root to all evil, mm-hmm. the want of that is literally the opposite of the want of the things that God wants with mm-hmm. And so to be able to understand like where those go and like how far down the rabbit hole that people can go, it's very easy to see why it's a slippery slope and you must be understanding or more so inviting God into the financial world of mm-hmm. your own instead of keeping them out of it and saying like, no, 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 I'm going to keep these two things separate. Yeah. It's like, the, well, you cannot serve two masters. Yeah. When you invite God into that and you let him manage your money really is what it comes down to. You. Yeah. Lord, be my money manager. You yeah, know? Right. And, and before I actually worked for God before that day, he said, you work for me mm-hmm. as of today. I always tithe, like always, I love giving to yeah. God, you know? And then when I had the ministry, everything that came in was going out you know to the people that needed it and so and and when i left i left myrtle beach there was i had a whole pod filled to the brim with donations and toiletries and food a whole room full so i had to get rid of all this stuff because i had so much abundance but it was all for the ministry it was all stuff and um i wasn't hoarding i promise it just kept coming (laughs) in i didn't have anywhere else to put it and i couldn't give it away fast enough so so it's like that you're the windows of heaven will open and you can't even contain Mm -hmm. what he wants to give you yeah he wants to give you things but he needs to know that you can be trusted you can be trusted and that he you're after his heart and not his hand Yes. And that's what it comes down to. You're, you're not, that you're not worshiping the creation, but you're at worth, worshiping yeah. the creator. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's we can get it. so lost in that so, <laughs> so much, right? Yeah, because none of those things, none of those things make me happy. And I had to learn that the hard way. I had to come from having um, money and just going to the ATM to pull out thousands of dollars every day to go to the dope dealer's house mm-hmm. to realize, like, I am miserable. Like yeah. this doesn't change my life at all or make me yeah. happy or anything. It doesn't do anything for me. And, um, and, but I also had to come to that place of like, um, he, he's brought me through that place of like, like Paul says, I've learned to abase and to abound and, and whether I have little or a lot, I'm content in all things, like mm-hmm. all things, any circumstance, whether I have shoes, whether I don't have shoes, whether I got clothes, nice clothes, fancy clothes, no clothes. It yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm happy. because my happiness comes from within and not without and so when you get to that place this it i I just believe that that's when you're really ready for that next level blessing and that it's not going to ruin you know because god wants to bless each and every one of us and and in that in that church philosophy of like sow a seed and you know, reap the reward and it's always, you know, giving to getting, you know, God wants to bless you. Nobody wants to bless you more than God. That yeah. is so true. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not against what, I mean, I'm not a prosperity teacher at all, but here's what I believe. 
he wants to prepare you so that that blessing isn't a curse for you. He wants mm. to make sure that you are sifted and refined and chastised so that when he, let's say you're praying for a spouse that you don't, you know, you, you got to be a good woman before you get a good man or you, you know what I mean? If you're mm -hmm. praying for, if you're praying for money, they, if he gives you a bunch of money, you're able to manage it properly and not spend it on your desires for this world. That, that money is going to go to kingdom work, that you don't have anything in you that's going to go gambling with it or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. wastefully spend it or or because that would, in essence, ruin your soul. So he's not going to give you something that's going to bless you, that's going to actually ruin you. It's like I set you up for failure. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so if that's really the desire of your heart is to have good things, nice things, and to have a good life, he's going to take you from the ground up do not despise the days of small beginnings he's gonna he's going to train you for those things first he's gonna take you through this preparation process first before he gives it to you so that you don't ruin it yeah and that's how because that's how loving he is right and if you haven't gone through that sifting through that chastisement through that question does the lord love me because mm. whom the lord loves he rebukes and corrects you yeah. know like he's only going to do that correction if he plans to do something really good in your life if you and are so, his child yeah if you are his child mm -hmm. and, and there's difference between slaves and sons and that's a whole different podcast but yeah mm -hmm. you know people that walk in that sonship and their identity of knowing who that who their father is who, yeah. who who's going to take care of them mm -hmm. and that he you know but yeah he's absolutely going to correct you before he blesses you and that's that's for sure that's make no mistake <laughs> yeah know? right yeah. yeah I love it yeah. well I don't have anything else to say on this I'm done <laughs> you're all, all tapped out I'm done I'm done <laughs> okay well we'll end the podcast here um, I think that uh, everything it is that we touched on today really should be a, a challenge to everybody on how it is that we understand God faith in God understanding the money and inviting him into our finances and uh, understanding him on a, a fuller level instead of you know, limiting what God can do. People usually stop them right at the door of their bank instead of like inviting whoa, them whoa, in. Whoa, whoa, Yeah, Jesus. well, this is mine. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, you have everything else. That's Excuse not, not me. this one. <laughs> so hopefully it's a challenge for anybody who's listening to be able to think about it a little more. That's the least that we can do is um, hopefully encourage people to just think about mm. it, just to be challenged on yeah. it. And uh, nobody's ever asking anybody to do something, you know, that's, you know, like super crazy tomorrow, unless God puts it on your heart, then run it. Yeah. <laughs> like Marisa's story. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, like I said, the very least you can do is be challenged on it. And, um, and yeah, thank you for having this conversation with me. Is there, is there any plugs that you have? No, no. Right. You're just, <laughs> no. you're just still this nomad, like just, roaming individual. No. <laughs> okay. Well then <laughs> I guess there's no plugs for you. I don't have any plugs either. So, um, Thank you. Yeah, you're for, welcome. <laughs> for jumping on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure I'll have you on again if we can find another subject that we won't argue about. That'd be... Uh, That's almost impossible, but... Yeah, okay. so maybe this is the last podcast. Yeah, this might yeah, be your last yeah, one. this might be the last yeah. one. But um, <laughs> thank you for jumping on to the um, audience that are listeners. Um, look for more opportunities to be able to show God's love. It's their opportunities literally every single day. Just try to find people, find hurt people. They're everywhere. And remember that um, you are responsible. As a, as a believer, you are responsible for the hurting people out there. And um, bless them with time, bless them with money, bless them with um, the gospel. But um, other than that, have a great day. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Goodbye. Bye.